The Lean Braze reporting for duty. Your source for fitness and food education with a noble purpose. Fasten your seatbelt and hold on to your carrots. You're listening to the Lean Braze radio show at theleanbraze.com. We are Avengers of Health. Welcome, Braves. I'm Ron Jones with Jake and Marie Monlux. We are the Lean Braves, and we're doing a very special show today on kids' failed fitness. All right, welcome, Braves. I'm Ron Jones, of course, and this is the Kids' Failed Fitness Show with Jake and Marie Monlux. I'm up here in the Seattle, Washington area, and welcome to the Lean Braves. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you guys this weekend. I'm, I'm learning all kinds of information on uh, the history of physical education and physical fitness. As you know, we're really interested in that in Lean Berets. And how I found out about Jake Monlux is we had this project the last year. We've been working on the Krauss-Weber test and Bonnie Pruden archives. And if you dig around uh, long enough, you'll, you'll come up with a guy named Jake Monlux. And uh, Jake has been doing, he's a retired physical therapist, but active track coach now and, and a physical education promoter and he's got decades of experience in, in uh, clinical physical therapy physical fitness uh, we're going to make a valiant attempt today to take uh, about 12 to 18 topics that we could write a book on and crunch it into a, a 45 minute show so uh, it's really great to be here thanks for all the hospitality and we're going to have some fun today and uh, just talk to real people about about children and, and what they can do to help their kids get fit. But when when Jake picked me up at the airport the other night, we rode across the, uh, um, I guess it's, is it the Puget Sound or? Yes, we were. Okay, yes, uh, on the ferry. And Jake said, he said something was really funny. He goes, well, after 40 years, I, th- I think I finally come up with a, a definition of fitness. So let's start there. You know, after 40 years of working on on a clinical physical therapy, you, you said you're still trying to come up with a definition, but you have something unique I thought would be interesting to start yeah. with. Well, let me uh, thank uh, Ron and his corporation for allowing me to uh, put these thoughts on film. Uh-huh. And um, I'm a very uh, adamant admirer of Bonnie Pruden, who died recently and had promoted children's physical fitness until she died and I was concerned in the 80s about what was being said about obesity right and I knew that I had given test in 1956 of several thousand children mm-hmm and they had not passed that test. They failed by about 60%. So it wasn't about obesity, it was about lack of chronic inactivity. The chronic inactivity was due to uh, the mo- uh, the, uh, the uh, invent and admission to society of our rapid transportation of cars and gadgetry. So, my kids weren't weren't obese, and yet they were pa- failing this test, fifty percent, fifty to sixty percent. We all, as parents, want our kids to grow up leading a long, healthy, 
productive, productive and happy life. I think that's the goal of every single parent. Mm -hmm. But when you talk to someone about what is a definition of physical fitness, um, they say anything from whatever to whatever and then none of them can define it. I challenge you to get up in front of a group and give them a definition of physical therapy, of physical fitness. My physical therapy show, training <laughs> showing through that. Okay, now I I went to college in 1950, graduated in 1953, and taught school several years, and then I was a physical therapist from 1960 on. Um, the definition that was taught to me is a physical education uh, major was. Uh, the value of physical education was to develop social, emotional, academic, and the physical fitness of children. They were those four, four elements, and each one was significantly important as compared to the, the next one. So one, I want to make a point here because one of the things you mentioned was that the academic um, focus or quality of physical education was right up front. And we don't hear a lot about that today. We, we think we it's all hear fitness. About it. mm -hmm. What we hear about is our nation is failing to keep up with other nations academically right. to 30%. We're 30% below well, 30 academic performance standards. And it's been proven. It's been proven. Mm -hmm. the, uh, studies of the hippocampus Right, you mentioned that the other and, day. And a yeah. number of studies have brought out the fact that movement stimulates the intellectual centers. Right. And that if you went back and had a found, sound foundation of academic le uh, learning from uh, uh, including physical fitness and, and all the elements of it, mm -hmm. you could increase the academic achievement by 30% and not humdrum and hamstring and, and hoodwink the teachers for not doing their job. They're doing a job we're not. As parents and, and as a general public, we're not doing their job. We have turned our back on our children. They are, the original physical fitness test mm -hmm. was given to develop, the original physical fitness test was, was given uh, as a children's fitness test and when the Council for Physical Fitness was formed, they formed it as a Council for Physical Fitness and Sport, thereby diverting attention away from the kids. We'll go, we'll go into that aspect level, but the thing I want to emphasize is the kids were feeling physical fitness at a tune of 50 to 60 percent in 1953 and in 1980 to on to 2000 were up to 80% failures. So let me qualify this a little bit because we've we've worked in this before and if, if you've listened to our previous shows, um, what Jake's talking about is a Krauss-Weber test and President Eisenhower, uh, which included Bonnie Pruden. We've done some work on Bonnie. So this is a postural test that uh, Krauss and Weber and Pruden developed in the 40s. And we knew in 1954 
when they went into President Eisenhower to make that presentation that we had the weakest kids in the world, basically. And there's been a lot of uh, pontification and, and arguing about <laughs> how to define fitness and what to do about it ever since. And the bottom line is we're getting, we've gotten worse and not better. And so that's what Jake's referencing when he okay, talks about now, the fitness the, test. The, the second, the second area uh, um, uh, definition that I came across with uh, Bronnie Pruden was uh, her test primarily tests the key postural muscle, muscles of the body to stand up against gra and, and, uh, and perform strength and flexibility to stand up against gravity and perform activities of daily living uh, with a reserve for leisure time and recreational activity. Mm-hmm. So physical education was to perform um, prepare the body so that it could uh, have strength and flexibility and agility and power and balance and endurance to uh, perform uh, all activities with a reserve for physical um, general physical activities and special sports. The, the problem being that the public identifies physical fitness with obesity. The physical fitness level has uh, been identified, and not only with the Bonnie Pruden test, but with uh, the Nielsen-Cosen uh, skills test, and a various other test that will indicate, and these tests are 9.9 to 9.8 correlation values, so they're very efficient. So that's the, you're referencing the 1934 standards book. Yeah. Yeah, that was, uh, it was basically a collaboration between Stanford University and UCLA. Yeah, so if you wanted to say, look at that test, Mm -hmm. take your kid, give him the proper classification number recommended, take a chalk and put it in your hand, reach up on the wall, scratch a little mark, and then jump, and then measure the distance between the starting and the, uh, ending point, and that distance as compared to the kids in 1934, you, most of your kids would be in a category of 38 hmm. percent. That's how much Com- we've lost. That's since, how much yeah. we've lost. Right. So and we're talking. He's talking I, about a vertical and I'm, jump. And what I'm doing is challenging everyone to do that. Mm-hmm. Go out there and do that, mm-hmm. and uh, find out what that test is, and then. Uh, and then do it home yourself and find out what your kids are doing. Now they're bright-eyed and they're bushy-tailed and they're yellow and they don't have a fever and there's nothing wrong with my kids and even if he doesn't jump, so what? Well, the, the, that's, that's a good attitude to take, uh, but you can plan on one thing. They are more likely, in the long run, three to four times more likely to die if they're inactive than if they had been active. and and rather than live a long, healthy, happy life, they're going to live a long, miserable, short life. Or they're going to live a shorter life right. full of more health problems. Our nation is $2.6 trillion a year in medical costs right now. In a few years, it's going to be up to um, 5 trillion, 50% of the national budget. Defense is the other half of the national budget. There's no way we are going to be able to take care of this monster, uh, this health monster, by doing, um, um, by uh, controlling uh, 
There's no way we're going to be able to uh, control this health monster unless we go to the source where the, it started. And it started in young kids, and I'm very convinced that chronic inactivity is a motion disease. Yeah, so one of the reasons I flew from Los Angeles all the way to Seattle to spend a few days with you is because you've got some big ideas that I think people need to hear about. And um, one of those is, is, is Jake's talking about this chronic inactivity and uh, emotion disease. And he's got me thinking a, a lot deeper about um, what it means when kids fail fitness. And so to qualify, you know, this is uh, Jake Monlux from kidsfailedfitness.org. It's a charitable trust he established a few years ago to address the need for uh, basically one hour of physical education per day for children. And let's dig a little bit into that motion disease and what what happens when uh, our physical fitness fails. And what I'm starting to grasp now is the whole system breaks down. Our immune, it's about immunity, right? right? It's about the immune system breaking down because of the lack of physical fitness, right. which makes the obesity and everything else, heart disease and everything else worse. And we don't hear people talking as much about the fitness uh, uh, obesity, and immunity. Yeah, obesity and the other and other factors are exacerbate an already failed system. So let me take you back and take a look at longevity. I was waiting for <coughs> Ron to touch down and I was saying, how am I going to explain to Ron in, in, in a very simple way what physical fitness is? <laughs> Good luck, right? <laughs> and, and again, you can't. I had a, we were in um, Australia recently, and an old man about 82 was listening to us, and he's very kind and the twinkle in his eye, and he said, you, you got to have, you got to be, have a life of vigor. Now, vigor is an interesting yeah. term. Yeah, yes, it is. you don't hear it a lot today. And and I and, and here's an old man never studied any anything about physical education. Right. And here he comes up with one word that says it. Yeah. You've got to have a life of vigor. If you don't have vigor, you don't have it. Go back to longevity for a minute. Mm -hmm. Longevity is how long you live. And there are studies, the Swedish studies and Japanese studies that say you are three to four more times likely to live longer if you have a more healthy life, mm -hmm. if you have a certain level of physical fitness. Well, I'm not really good at math. So what is two to three times more likely to have um, fitness, uh, live short? Another study indicated that if you are 50 years old and you have field fitness, you're 50% more likely to die within 10 years. So that says a little bit more mm -hmm. of it. If you raise your MET level, metabolism level I'm talking about, 1.5% mm -hmm. just going from a walk to a run, mm -hmm. you have seven years to your life, just raising a, your MET level of small amount 
And if you're an older person, it's not, not too late. You can get fit and it will extend your life. The most important thing is to get a foundation for for life uh, for life activities, and you have to find uh, you have to develop that foundation when you are a child. And there are several other studies that are, are very important in longevity. Here, I'll, I'll divert for just a minute. One is prenatal care. The United States is the fourth worst country in the world for prenatal care just a couple steps up from some African countries. And now that's atrocious. Yes. And if you've done, if the University of Washington has done another study, number of studies, to indicate that if you have a low poverty area and prenatal care, that will determine your longevity level. Now, yeah, you look, I looked at that study and I said, well, how fit were those kids? Mm-hmm. They're less apt in, in, in prenatal. If they don't have good prenatal care, they're l- less apt to have a healthy body leading into the time when they're developing the, a system where your uh, structure uh, is uh, going to perform well and develop uh, metabolism. So then physic, the and we'll get back to immunity being the real issue here, their immunity is compromised, which then uh, decreases their ability to to yeah, so, develop well, the physical so fitness. So immunity uh, usually, um, you, you think in terms of your your lymphatic system, right? Um, but um, the first line of defense for immunity is oxygen. Mm-hmm. Oxygen is a free radical, and it and it wanders around the body scrubbing it clean. Just like when you have a thunderstorm, it scrubs the environment clean. But at the same time, it's very dangerous. Mm-hmm. So uh, it will kill protozoa, it will kill bacteria, it kill virus, it kills everything. And if it doesn't, then your, your uh, uh, lymphatic system kicks in. So the first line of defense is oxygen. You gotta flood the body with oxygen. So let's come back to the the chronic inactivity because if the kids are sitting around at a very low metabolic level, which sitting is what uh, one map you said. Okay, a metabolism is defined as um, the way the cell takes up food mm-hmm. and minerals and uh, vitamins and hormones and distributes that processes it, and so the the processes before, after, under, in, uh, all these adjectives thresh that soup together and distribute it uh, to the cells. If you have a high metabolical rate or low metabolical rate, it depends upon the rate in which you are going to burn energy or affect motion. So if you are sitting on your duff at home, that's about one met level, the energy it takes to do that activity. Less than one, you're dead. So uh, <laughs> that's a, a, nice a, two, a two to three uh-huh. is walking and running. 
in between a four and a five and a six is activity of daily living. A level five is sex. So if your doctor says, ask your, uh, uh, and, and the drug company say, ask your doctor if you're healthy enough for sex. Well, if you know that five is, if you got a level five, you're healthy enough. <laughs> and if you ask him if you're healthy enough, he doesn't know anyway. <laughs> so the only, he doesn't know what a five, he doesn't know what a level five met test is. Right, and this, this is all important because at a, at a, at a, a level one metabolic rate, you're not getting enough oxygen to scrub anything out in your body. Yeah, and a way to a way to kind of think about this is the tide comes in, mm -hmm. and then you got all these tributaries that the water goes out to, mm -hmm. and if it doesn't quite get out to it, then it has to soak into the sand and uh, and gradually diffuse out into the area. Mm -hmm. But then the tide has the, the the circulation is out to the cell, and the circulation is, is back. And where they meet is called anastomosis, where there's a, a changeover from the blood coming to the cell and the blood coming back to the cell. And if you don't flood the body, if you don't flood the body with oxygen and minerals and vitamins and hormones, that affects the health of the cell. The cell is like a person. It's it's a it's an either an unhealthy uh, cell or it's a healthy cell. Low fitness is not a high uh, metabolical rate. In fact, having low fitness is a metabolical disease from lack of motion, a motion disease. Now, the metabolical rate from putting food into your mouth and in, it increases. So if you, if you we're, we're talking now a little bit from immunity and going into the health factor itself, and health is the absence of diseases, a sound functioning body with good me metabolism. It has um, the absence of stress and depression uh, where the child is not being stressed and getting by not with sleep derivation, where he's eating and not involving contaminants in his uh, body. Um, sugar is the addiction of the masses. Sugar is the most addictive substance in our modern society. It is more addictive than taking marijuana and drinking combined. And yet, our society is driven by cornstarch corn into every single, right. um, uh, every single, uh, except for the vegetables and, and meat, and they are even being injected with sugar. So trying to reduce your sugar content is, is, is almost impossible. And you, uh, you had several women on the television on uh, Channel 9, and uh, they were trying to say that uh, we, just can't we just can't get a grip of this obesity problem until we get uh, away from uh, those, the front loading of all foods with sugar. Mm -hmm. they, got left, they, they left the, the uh, TV in tears. I really felt sorry for him, but I, I wanted to get their names so I could 
and I've talked to them and I haven't been able to. They're on the right track. We have Mrs. Obama and her Let's Move uh, campaign. Well, her activity uh, of her campaign is marvelous. It's, uh, it's concentrating primarily on um, obesity. Right. And it, it, it mentions, let's move. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, let's do exercise. Um, and she does a marvelous job of promoting uh, healthy eating. So people are becoming more aware of the of the eating problem, but the problem is they are substituting obesity with fitness. Now, you can be obese. You can be obese, but if your body is fit, you will live probably live longer than the skinny person who is not fit. Right, so the, the, the drive behind your website and, and all the health issues we're facing is really fitness. What you're talking about is our need to get more physically fit so we can prevent the diseases, combat the diseases, and that has a, maybe a higher impact in this obesity than it's, one it's not the, just the food that you're eating. Yeah, it's so the activity part. When you go back to you go back and it's very complicated Absolutely. Because, because if a child, it's not being fed mm-hmm. properly. It's a major problem, and uh, as you know, the the uh, children who get subsidies of proper food uh, in our school district district has probably were probably uh, supporting somewhere around thirty forty percent on uh, meals in children assist somewhere in that neighborhood. Mm-hmm. We can't do anything about the 30 hours to 40 hours that they are texting. Now, if a child sleeps eight hours, mm-hmm. and if he's, and he's at school eight hours, and he texts eight hours, that's 24 hours. Yeah, the texting, there's computing, n- there's sitting. No, yeah. There's no room for activity. Yeah. And you got parents at home that, that are so stressed out, they're working different jobs. Mm-hmm. They're not home with the kids. When they are home with the kids, they do what they can to get them out of the hair, yeah. and they can go into the other room and, and do the texting. So let me let me make a couple of comments. One is that you know uh, Jake and Marie grew up post Great Depression era, and uh, Jake had nine brothers and sisters. Uh, he was working, you know, like twenty hours a week by the time he was ten or eleven years old. Um, very, very poor family. So if people say today, well, the kids are on welfare, they're, they're not eating well, they're going to get fat. But here's a guy that, you know, he grew up poorer than the poor today. And uh, you worked really hard and, and you developed into a, a, a very healthy person. You're 84 years old, but the, the root of that was, you know, if you're very fit your whole life, you're very active. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a point I just want to uh, drive in a little bit deeper that um, it's possible to be poor and not eat very well. You rarely got meat. Uh, when you did, sometimes it was horse meat uh, or the brains of a, a, a cow or something like that. Um, but yet you developed into a very healthy person. And it's like the guy said in Australia, you know, you've lived a vigorous life and of chronic activity. I was joking with you guys earlier. We're talking about chronic inactivity, but hanging out with you guys a, a couple of days, 
or uh, some of the other people like Enid Whitaker that I interviewed that are over 70, they're, they're chronically active. And that's a real important point for younger people today and parents of younger people to grasp. How active are your kids? And that's the, you know, why you want the lost. Jake's got a, he's got a big thing in his website about the lost hour. Maybe we can transition into that. You can yeah, explain I was just bit. hitting there, Ron. Thank you. Um, it is, I wrote this lost hour because I was concerned about children getting to school too early, getting mm -hmm. up too early, mm -hmm. and then adding too much stress to their life. It's been proven that children who have sleep deprivation have, um, are, have a stress level that is, take, uh, that is fed by the body reaching into its different storage area, uh, different areas, and pulling out all the fat it can possibly get. Storing the fat. Storing yeah. fat. Yeah, holding it so back. Now we're, well, now we're talking about not eating the day before anymore than you normally eat. The stress level is a factor, and the sleep derivation. So if you get the body reaching into itself and taking out and storing fat by being tense, by being by losing sleep, you're going to increase obesity and it has nothing to do with eating. Yeah, this this is a I think this is a point that's starting to come out more and more the the health um, the adverse effects of, of uh, stress and tension on our health. Yes. And, and, and I want to qualify, too, that Jake is a very educated guy. He's a Stanford University graduate, University of Washington. He's got, he really did his homework on his site. He's got all kinds of studies uh, listed that he used to organize Kids Fail Fitness uh, websites. So if you want to look at the actual studies, he's not just pulling these out um, of Azir, he actually read uh, dozens and dozens and dozens of studies over decades to come to these uh, points we're making today. By the way, if we if we jump back just for a second, yeah. you know when I when I research Kraus Weber and the the back pain prevention, uh, one thing comes up over and over and over that Kraus was talking about in the 1940s, and that's the effects of of tension on pain, and so. Uh, this is something I wrote off your website, Jake. Physical responses to pain, uh, pain systems failure. So this is how our body reacts to uh, um, pain and systems failure. It creates tension, stiffness, muscle weakness, and spasms. And those four areas, that, that sounds like uh, our country. <laughs> we have <laughs> excess of tension, stiffness, muscle weakness, and, and a lot of spasms and trigger points, which you told me as a physical therapist uh, explaining Bonnie Pruden's work a little bit with uh, Hans Kraus that those trigger points are warning signs of a, a muscular failure, right? It's, it's yeah, something what, we need to pay attention what, to. Uh, what Bonnie's uh, test was, uh, was based on an anti-gravity test. Right. And um, there is a point where your body fitness can drop, that it that drops below that point very much more, mm -hmm. all systems will start to fail. So this is this is a big, big point that of the show This is a today. point yeah. 
And this is where your metabolism comes in. Right, right. Um, and then the, the only way that muscles can let you know that it's filled is to develop trigger points. Well, Bonnie developed a system of pressing on these trigger points to release them. Then she stretched them to stretch out the fascia, which is what the body consists of. It. And then he did, she did some little light conditioning exercise to restore the strength to its original point minus the, the spasm. Mm -hmm. She was using a minor, a base point reference to increase activity and function to the cell. The cell was defending itself. Mm -hmm. Now, it's a, I might say that a lot of people have capitalized on this later and now they call it a my myofascia release. Right. And I got to make a little sub point here that's really fun. Uh, we went for a nice walk today. And on the way back, we were standing outside the house. And you said you used to do, with your physical therapy company, four-man fascial stretches. Yes. Which I've never heard anybody I talk have, about a four-man fascial I, stretch. I have pictures of that. Before. Really? Yeah, oh, I'll, wow. So I'll, I get you kind of like drawn and quartered people yeah, on and stretched them out. And well, I can't remember the English <laughs> professor. He was a doctor of osteopathic medicine. Uh-huh. And he did the, the various moves of uh, chiropractic medicine and physical therapy and stretches and kind of did a little bit of a offset of uh, Barney Pruden's uh, mm -hmm. area uh, uh, procedures. And one of the procedures was you'd, you'd put a traction around your, your body and go upside down and Inversion, of course you're yeah. selling lots of these anti-gravity. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, so that's one, that's a minor point of it. Uh -huh. But if you had someone pulling on your arms and legs while you were doing that, yeah. you'd be stretching all the body fascia. Uh -huh. So you dump all, everything out of the body, uh -huh. just drain it out, and what you got is fascia. Yeah. It, it's just a connection of all the cells together as fascia. It's massive. It's just a huge sponge. Right. So if if you're going to, if you have uh, trouble in one area of body and you try to treat that single local area, um, you may be able to release the impact, the trauma to the whole fascia system but you're not releasing the, the entire fascia. Mm -hmm. That has to be done with general stretching and activity and movement, which is normally sufficient enough to do it. But if you're going to do a, a therapeutic procedure, uh, it involves four different people. Mm -hmm. My wife is pushing me away from this uh, plate that I'm hitting here. <laughs> That's all right. Affecting the... Uh, it adds some uh, character it, to yeah, our show. It, yeah, it's character. <laughs> okay, so if you... If you want to do a procedure, then then this was a very good procedure uh, used at a particular time um, in addition to the traction that I was given. And I was working with this particular patient with um, um, referred pain into the legs. Mm -hmm. And um, another one, I was trying to work with the iliopsoas, and it, be, and it came out that the iliopsoas doesn't like to be really stretched too much. It is a has a mind of its own. It, it kind of functions on the inside of the lower body to to break uh, to, to flex the hip and push off. Uh, helps uh, pull the leg off the ground when you're walking, and when you're not moving it, and when you're moving it, massages all the muscles in there. 
and it has a tendency, if you're tensing, it's tensing, and if you're going to frighten, it's frightening. If you're sad, it's sad. We could do a whole show just on the psoas muscle. You could do a whole a function on, <laughs> on a, and, and a book called uh, The Psoas Book, if you want to uh, right. look that. Right, I saw uh, that. Yeah. But uh, the psoas is a very important muscle in posture, in, and, uh, and I had a patient, we tried the four-man release, it didn't work. Mm-hmm. We tried uh, different forms of physical therapy, and we asked, and I finally put her in a in a uh, backline position, and let the back from a uh, arch position come down to a flat position. Then I slid the uh, had her just hold the one leg and slid very extended and relaxed, not no pressure, mm-hmm. and extended the right leg until I felt pressure in the hip, and then I bring it back. And I tell her, relax the hip, and I bring it down. And finally, I got that leg down. I didn't stretch it. Mm-hmm. I just relaxed it. I put relaxation into the muscle and say, okay, if you don't have to tense up, you can relax. So we're, Everything's okay. Yeah, we're coming back to the high levels of pain and the relation to people's chronic pain being muscular tension. But this uh, muscle also... This muscle binds the runner from running really quick, right. and and runners need to pick up on how to relieve, how to open up their sockets and relieve the, yeah. the pressure of the uh, of the. the uh, it's in, uh, it's good for posture and everything else. Um, so I had, I had another point here. Um, this is a big idea. You talked about in your website, we do a great job assessing sedentary health. And this is kind of a different way to think about this. We do blood pressure, we do resting heart rate, we do cholesterol. I mean, in, in corporate wellness, we call that knowing your numbers. But what about the the fitness numbers, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, we can run a cross Weber test. You've done you've done tens of thousands of uh, you know postural types of assessments. We can assess biomechanical skills, metabolic fitness with VO two max or those met levels we talked about before. And what you're saying is those are these true physical fitness tests need to be taken by age, height, and weight, and they need to be on file with the doctors as well. And we're not we're we're assessing sedentary fitness, but we're talking about trying to get people moving all the time. Uh, you mentioned two things. There. Uh-huh. One is a doctor, and the other one is a test. And a physical fitness test, unless it has age, height, and weight as a component, is not a physical test. It's an athletics ability test. Mm-hmm. So if uh, like I said, physical fitness is a very difficult thing to. Right. To, so if a kid is going to compete and have a um, a performance test, it should be against his own body type. So if you got A B C D E F G H and you're in classification D, then you're going to jump so far as compared to uh, your your other children uh, in another in the same great age group. Um, the, uh, at, the same, at the same yeah, height and weight, yeah. Too. The, yeah. the presidential te- test was built on uh, just a kid in the same grade um, doing uh, uh, so many push-ups and so on. Uh, that is an invalid physical fitness test. Right, and that was a big point this week, and you really were adamant about, you know, deciphering it, this accurately. But it's something. It's something. The it's testing, something. The testing fitness and getting the attention of yeah. somehow or another, and, uh, and they stopped even doing that. Right. You can't find testing for, for fitness anywhere. You go to a doctor, they are trained, highly trained, 
to take your pulse, mm -hmm. to take your blood pressure, to look at blood serum and see if there's something in there that be, can be causing it, your problem. To listen to your lungs to see if you got congestion and your heart. Um, they, they are treating you on the spot. And when you have 75% of the adult population that has obesity and all the obesity problems coming into the doctors and they are hyperventilating going from one room to another just to do basic uh, uh, analysis skills right and then you say ask them what is physical therapy and what is physical fitness and what is a med and what's the value of a med and what's the uh, uh, and how do you develop these different activities? They do not know how to write an exercise prescription. Right, yeah. Okay, right. now that's not all doctors. Now, they can say, go home, mm -hmm. get some rest, take the stress out of your life, and get some exercise. Now, that's perfect advice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, and you paid a hundred dollars for that, right? Yeah, or more. Now I'm not slamming the medical profession. I've worked with these guys all my life. Yeah, a very dedicated bunch of people. Mm -hmm. But when you, it's only so fast you can run down that hall from one patient to the next. Right. So, the medical profession has to look for prevention. Mm -hmm. Somehow we've got to get into prevention. So if you were to go down to a performance center, these guys look at your MET level. Right. And they say, this is your performance level. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do a running test and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run you till you can hardly take one breath more. Then right. I'm going to measure how much oxygen you took up. Well, that's not an easy test to take, but that's a MET test. Yeah, it's, it's and not so cheap what either. they're saying is, I'm, I'm not sure the average person has a, uh, the capability of doing that without having a problem. Mm -hmm. So he clears them of taking the problem, and he puts them on the treadmill, his exercise physiologist does, and then he, then you come back and you say, your MET, he, your MET level is, is uh, sucks, it's at 3. Mm -hmm. Or your MET level is magnificent, it's 12 or 14. Right. Now you want to go out and do some mountain hiking and whatnot, and your MET level is 2, I don't recommend it. You're going to have a heart attack yeah. because you've got a little bit of tachycardia already. Mm -hmm. Now, if you had, if you had a performance-based test, in junior high school and elementary that would give you the activity level uh, of all these kids. You could do it if with five or six tests. You could give it in a minimum period of time. You could put it in the doctor's chart. He would have that as a base point and it would indicate what his MET level or his activity level was at a kid and now he's got you here doing this particular kind of a problem you're trying to solve but this is your capability. Now, I don't start from, well, go home and get some exercise because I don't know what level your exercise is. You don't have a good heart. What is your exercise level? What is your base level? The Japanese go so far as to say, their uh, performance uh, testers, go to uh, say that there should be a, a MET lab in every single uh, medical facility in the United States. 
Really? And it sh- yes, right. Oh, wow. And it should be given early in junior high school and high school to filter out these. We are developing atherosclerosis. Mark Hyman, Joel Thurman. Uh, what was the one over here? Uh, the, the brain specialist. Doctor Amon. Do- Doctor Amon. Mm-hmm. All indicate you should have physical fitness level, but the the average kid, because his he has a physical a failed physical fitness level, and is contaminate contaminating and exaggerating that more by dumping in a lot of garbage on top of it right. that he has to metabolize. And if he's not healthy, he's going to die early. If he is healthy, he make it a little bit may make it a little bit more. We need to have a screening pre-screening device to find out what this physical uh, failure level is, the met level, and be able to go and treat, put a program in and treat it at the elementary preschool and elementary through, and it should be a daily physical education. And I'm not going to tell you what's going to go in that physical education. It should be um, grade specific, Mm -hmm. but it has to have enough dynamic movement in it to get the blood moving. There was a study done in, uh, uh, it was on Channel 9 just recently, and and in this high school, they went out and bought 20 to 30 bikes. They had their kids exercise at heart level, 80% for 20 minutes. Then they went and had them take, uh, do their, uh, go to their math class. Yeah. Their math improved 30%. And that's the 30% deficit you were talking that about because we're so unfit. Deficit. So, so if you improve physical fitness. We'll improve our academic skills. You'll improve your academic achievement of all students compared to the world. And it's not about obesity. Right. It's about failed fitness. It's about your body not being able to get up and move and do something. So that's, if we had one point of the show today, people need to walk away from that. We've got to improve our fitness levels if we want a fighting chance. Yeah, well, if you, yes. Speaking of fighting chance, that's what uh, Eisenhower was so concerned with because he was in World War II and you said that uh, uh, he had about a 20% higher casualty rate because his his soldiers couldn't move fast enough, yeah, right? And, yes. and he's very concerned about our lack of fitness. When 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 Bonnie Putin hand carried that report uh-huh. to President Eisenhower, and who was um, Grace Kelly's father was a champion rower, and he was the uh, Council on Fitness uh, advisor at that particular time, right? Um, Eisenhower didn't see it as a postural fitness test at all. He saw it as a fitness test, As a physical fitness test. And what he did was he said, well, I had a good 20% of my men die in action. When you attack, you have to be able to run and dodge and run and hop and skip and jump and move. Uh, The best defense on uh, keeping alive when you're attacking is to make sure you don't stop long enough for someone to shoot you. And you've you got to move. And you've been in combat, so you know. Yeah. My all my brothers have been in combat. Okay. I have. I've been in post-war occupation. Okay. 
uh, but, the, but in your tank corps. In fact, your brother was one of the few survivors on Heartbreak Ridge. You, yeah, you mentioned my before. identical twin brother. Ah, he was a medic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he was a medic, uh -huh. and um, he survived several. Uh, uh, it was it, Heartbreak Ridge and uh, Hamburger Hill, or however they refer to it, uh, was overrun by the, the Chinese several times, and. Um, uh, he got pretty well. It got into the thick of it pretty much. Now, when he graduated, when he came out of the service, he went to the same college I did, and we both started college at the same time. And a few years later, he was a medic, and I went into the service and uh, was uh, uh, occupational force. And, and we met for uh, his senior year at Washington State and my graduate year. <laughs> then he went into physical therapy, mm. and I got married and, and taught school. I, I love kids, Yeah. but I, I had 70, 80 kids and, a, and I become a, a program director rather than I wanted to a teach teacher, kids. Yeah. 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 So then I went into uh, to, to, uh, physical therapy school. My older brother um, manned a machine gun on, on uh, Pearl Harbor, and on the way home, uh, uh, with his pistol shouted at zero trying to attack him and <laughs> out the window yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and John my my other brother was uh, all state in um, was all state in uh, in high school in the first year and he went into the Navy and had several ships uh, uh, his last ship he was on was USS Lutz and it's limped into into port uh, just barely uh, able to um, Hmm. Um, we got about we're about forty nine minutes into it, so let's say we got about ten more minutes. I want to finish with some fun stuff because we've we've hit some really big points about how fitness affects immunity and and breaks down our whole uh, system with our kids. But um, you were teaching, <laughs> I love it. You were teaching at the YMCA in the late nineteen forties, doing yeah. group classes, yeah. and you showed me some of those wand drills and. And with the long pole, and you were using stall bars and calisthenics and Indian clubs, and you have a, a background in gymnastics, Swedish and Finnish gymnastics. And so, um, you want to talk about that just a little bit? Yeah, the, I had a Vitale paralysis uh, when I was 10 years old, and they wanted to, uh, in my recovery period, I was a welfare child, so I can never remember paying for my membership in the YMCA. But I become so active in the YMCA as a kid, I went ev I went every single day to the YMCA, and when I got to be around 15 and 16, there was nobody to take over the men's, women, and children's program. So Bill and I knew it, my twin brother and I knew it so well that we handled all the program. As teenagers. Yeah. yeah. And you got to remember, there were no, there were no exercise facilities. There weren't a lot of stadiums. It was the YMCA or it, pretty yeah, much, right? Yeah, stadium yeah. was a high school stadium, yeah, uh, or a slick stadium or something like that. Uh, when when we gave a class, we had women, men, and children, and you will <laughs> all together. <laughs> no, was separated. Separate, okay. separate times, and we had so many we could not have the class. We could not. They had to wait up for wow. the class. Wow. They were they were very popular, uh -huh. but this is the way they were run. Uh -huh. Thirty women, yeah, dress right, 
dress. <laughs> they would put their arm out, get three feet, look to the right. When I said front, they would drop that arm. Yeah, assembly and uh, organization. And then I said, open ranks, march. Mm -hmm. Or I'd say, count off by fours, count off by six, or whatever the number of people were, so I could get the proper amount as a big, big uh, workout area. Once they get open ranks, I'd go out in front, and I had wands that were about five feet long. Right. And uh, just a stick. Yeah. And then I had dumb dumbbells, which were uh, weights with wooden weights with two pounds inserted into the wood. Mm -hmm. So I had two pounds and we had about four pounds. Mm -hmm. So we did, We and we had stall bars. Yeah, you you and said now, that stall bars oh, were a big part of the program. Oh boy, the yeah. core. Yeah. I mean, you hang with your back to the stars, uh -huh. stall bar, and bring uh -huh. your, uh, your feet up and you touch your, the well, uh, you're touching above you. Above your hands. Above your hands. And that was just standard and then operating procedure. And that was a standard, and everyone could do it. Wow. And then... <laughs> then, then you, so that's a pretty strong abdominal oh, area. Oh, yeah, yeah, really. You yeah. bring your knees Straight up leg your chest, lift, yeah. and then you just pump your knees in like you were doing a sit-up for 5, 15... Hanging on the bar. Yeah. Hanging on the bar, yeah. knees to chest, holding up, pumping your knees. It was a Roman chair, like a, in a Roman chair. So wow. we first come in and did, uh, the, the people came in and run around the track mm -hmm. to warm up. Right. They came down and got their drills, whether it was Indian clubs, and we had sometimes drilled holes in the Indian club ends and put lights in them and did some uh, shows oh, really? uh, with lights at night. <laughs> okay, and we did that at Hubie Dunn's gymnastic team the first time I mentioned it. Oh, wow. Okay, then after that we went up and did five lifts. Mm -hmm. We did a deadlift, uh, a, a good morning, which is leaning forward right. with the weight. Uh -huh. uh, we did uh, presses and uh, and um, uh, on your knees, uh, lifting five five different drills. We had ten drills, but we'd rotate through five. Then we'd go downstairs, and there was a room, a very small room, uh, had a low ceiling, and our uh, our net that was to push over the volleyball was just high enough to, to get the ball over if you yeah. tried, not really too high. Uh -huh. And when you put the ball over, you would hit it against one side of the wall, it would hit another side of the wall, another side, and it'd come off, and then you'd slam it, it'd go up to the ceiling down, and then you'd pop it to your next door neighbor and over. Your arms were over your head the whole time, you were moving, and it was real fast. Real it, dynamic, John. Everyone loved it. Really? From Everyone. Wow. Now, a offshoot of that is what they call Wally Ball. And it was invented here in Washington. It was invented in in Everett in my YMCA. Oh, okay. And and then that so you got a handball court. You yeah. put a you put a you put a net across it. Yeah. And that's like yeah what I'm talking about. Right, right. Only they could only hit certain areas of the wall. We could hit the ceiling, all four areas. The kids, just loved if it. they were 10, if they could walk, they loved it. Wow. That was the most, I, if they had a couple of swap ball rooms uh, in, in elementary school, they'd be going to all of the They could just love, uh, that's wrong. Hmm. Then they went down afterwards and had a swim. Now think about that. Yeah. You warmed up. Right. Did you calisthenics? You stretch. Yeah. yeah. 
you did a workout. Yeah. Uh, incidentally, our weightlifting was t uh, two to three times a week. It wasn't every day. Yeah. Uh -huh. So we rotated. Yeah. Uh, and then the 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 wall the. The swap ball, which also had to be alternated because it was just one. So that's ball. really metabolic then. It was high heart uh, rate, uh, really uh, vigorous. Uh, oh, yeah. very big, very, yeah. very big. So the thing is, you had in that one period of time, yeah, full range of motion. Right. You had the, the, some uh, strengthening and some cardio, and then you went down and relaxed. And this one. Tell me a better way to grow up. Yeah. I did that every day long, every day of my life. So when I got in the service and they said, you want to give uh, um, <laughs> 10 exercises to Pataradai? I said, yeah, let me at it. So, so how, many, how many minutes would those YMCA uh, sessions last in total? Were they an hour or uh, over an they hour? Were about, you'd come in a little bit before the session, uh -huh. which everyone tried to do to get that to do the To do the running, uh, yeah. You'd have maybe uh, 10 minutes of um, engine. See, the idea was organized so well in a way, in a militaristic way. Yeah. And um, to answer your question right off the bat, about 45 to an hour, and then you had 20 minutes of, of, of the pool. Okay. Uh, but the thing was, we had ropes hanging from the ceiling. Right. We had lattice bars at the end, uh -huh. we had the, uh, the wands, Indian clubs, and dumbbells. Yeah. We had a horse, we had a couple of bucks, shot only two, three so feet So we're high. talking about gymnastics yeah, equipment, jump, yeah. Jump, yeah. Uh, we had, um, uh, uh, we had rings uh -huh. and high bar. Yeah. So we had the Swedish-Danish gymnastic style of physical education. And I must mention, before now that we... Was you yeah. go to Sweden right. in that period of time, yeah. and it duplicated. Yeah. It's almost it's almost bringing it to the United States, and there it was. Wow. And you were a very elite gymnast. You uh, actually went to Olympic trials. Yes. And you were an All-American, and your, your brothers... Uh, uh, my... Your very uh, athletic family, yeah, your yeah. brothers, yeah. Uh, one of... One, Earl uh -huh. was an All-American in high school, and he went to... was a captain in the... Uh, um, Washington uh -huh. University team, yeah, and he got offered. Uh, he was all conference. He got offered uh, a chance to work by five NFL teams, and he turned them down. No money then, right? Well, at that time, you could not make money. In 1956, an athlete got maybe six thousand dollars. Now, my salary at the time was, as a teacher, was three thousand two hundred dollars. Yeah. Earl was offered fifteen thousand, I think, and then he took twenty in standard foods. Uh-huh. Uh and um uh, said, Well, I love football, but I I'm married and I got a family, I gotta yeah. feed him so right. um and then um my brother George qualified for the Olympics for represent army. Mm-hmm. And uh and and along come the, the the war and he broke his leg and he couldn't go. Right. Uh, John was uh, All-State uh, in uh, uh, before he went into the, the Navy, and then when he came into the Navy, he went to Washington State one year, a couple years before I did. Mm. And while he was there, he was um, their uh, fullback. And during that year, uh, it was the first time that they played a Big Ten team. 
Mm-hmm. And so he was a fullback during that on yeah. that, in that particular team. Well, um, my twin brother was in the army at the time, and was uh, I was a diver and and and, uh, and swam mm-hmm. while I went to George Williams College. Uh, I, w- I turned out for Hubie Dunn's championship uh, uh, collegiate his first collegiate championship team and that of six of us out of that team uh, competed in uh, California Southern California Stanford and uh, and and during the uh, and that meet was also pre uh, Olympic competition mm-hmm. uh, I was going to say something I was going to um, well I want to uh, we're at about an hour or so um I'd like to finish with this, and we'll make sure that people know how to get a hold of you, and we'll, we might have to do another show just on the psoas muscle and some other topics. Um, Marie? There was uh, something that, uh, as you were going through this, and it's one of, uh, Jake is usually good at emphasizing when he was talking about blood flow right. and young children. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you flood the body, but you flood the brain at the same time. Right, right. And the growth of the hippocampus yes. is extremely yes. noticeable, it's measurable. Yeah. We, they, can, we can improve that, that that's the mm-hmm. point, right, yeah. with the right level of they, exercise. They did a study in, in, ten, in 10 months, they found that they improved the ca- hippocampus performance 10% in cognizant ability. That's the first t- test in the United States to verify academic achievement is built, built on the physical education and fl- and uh, its reference to the brain. So if people want that, yeah. they've got to go look at every study of the hippocampus they can come up with yeah. and talk with a number of uh, psychologists uh, who have presented that study uh, to be and, and physiologists to then say, we have documented evidence that activity increases Longevity and activity increases brain performance. It's it's a slam dunker. Yeah. And yeah. who's listening? Well, hopefully somebody will listen to the show and get started, think, right? I think we can <laughs> think maybe 5% of the population might listen and do and, and become involved. This, this, this problem of being able to define physical fitness is a horrendous, horrendous uh, task. And getting, getting the average parent to realize that that little kid may not have a temperature and may be bright-eyed and bushy-tight, mm-hmm. but if he doesn't have a, have a lifetime of, of activity and early uh, development, the chances are that child is going to die very much sooner than his uh, people People 80 years ago, 90 years ago, 100 years ago moved. Right, right. Well, you say people are getting longer, uh, uh, living longer. No, they're not. They're living only as long as they moved 100 years ago. Uh Now, what about the people who aren't moving now? Right. Now you're going to say... Are they going to die? And then the, and the, and the choir's out now. Right. But the, but the it's going to come in, and when it comes in, you'll find that the health system that we have, you'll find that the delivery of education that we have, will find attention. We need uh, to invest about fifty billion dollars in structural 
changes within elementary school to bring them all up to shape, those that aren't, and staff them with appropriate um, physical education, uh, exercise specialist, and not have one, one, one teacher for 50 kids. You can't teach 50 kids. I, I had 70 kids in the class, and all I did was, uh, uh, was a traffic cop. Right. To tell, tell them which way to go. So uh, we have to get a system where we have uh, age, grade, specific type of uh, concentration and get the money uh, into it. And where's the money going to come to? Well, if you got $200 billion, you don't know what to do in defense, how about spending 50 of it on, on, on your children? Our future and our children. On our children. And you mentioned, I think, a key point to kind of wrap it up here is that, you know, there aren't a lot of people that even want to listen and care, but that really needs to change. And, and something, the last final point, and we'll get into how people can get a hold of you, is you said growing up, um, you and your brothers were known for three things. Number one, you were hard workers. Yes, we were hard number work. two, you had character. And number three, you were good athletes. But the athletic part wasn't first, and I well, think no. in, if we can if we can rise up as a country, stand up as you would say from your generation, um, we've got to be able to work hard yes. and have some character, and yeah. then I think some good things will happen. Yeah, but you, it, when kids text 30, 40 hours a week, sleep forty five forty hours a week, right. go to school. There's no there's no there's nothing there, and uh, your sports programs and your little league programs. And your community community programs is insufficient enough. This is a monster, a health monster. Right. It's in a form of a motion disease. We have eighty to ninety percent of the people infected, and it's being exacerbated by diabetes. Yep. Well, this is Jake and Marie Von Lux from KidsFailedFitness.org. As you can tell, they're just as passionate now as they were. Uh, you know back in the uh, 1940s with the YMCA programs. It's been a lot of fun. How can they get a hold of you? Because Jake's website is a real gold mine for uh, physical education information and citations and, and just mind-bending concepts, some of the things that he talks about. So what's your website address? Um, kids, kids failed, failed, F-A-I-L-E-D. Yeah. It's hard to understand uh, when you say failed, what do you mean? Uh, yeah. you got to spell it out. F-A-I-L-E-D fitness.com. I Is it org? It's oh, dot no, org. Uh, dot org. org. I'm sorry. I'm yeah. sorry. And then there is the Kids Failed Fitness Facebook. Yes. Monlocks Hit up the Facebook, yeah. Yes. Well, and it has different notations that I have gone in addition to the website. Uh, yeah. The website. Now, uh, I've stopped doing it for, I've stopped entering for a while to see uh, how it's being picked up and uh, responded to and what my next entry is going to be. I'll probably be making more entries in the Facebook. It costs about four or $500 every time you make an entry in your uh, website. And, yeah, change all and, that. Yeah. And, and we've, this is our money, our retirement money. Right. Uh, to set up this web uh, this web page for our kids, and right? And and then I reached the end. So yeah. I would love for you to go to that uh, website, and if you read it and you say, "Well, I would like to help a little bit," mm -hmm. uh, there's a PayPal on there. Yeah, and uh, I need to 
probably three to four or five thousand dollars a year to maintain the website. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, if they make a donation of five or ten, fifteen, twenty dollars or so, it helps out. They help out. Yeah. Uh, that's why one way they can they can visit. And then also, you should come back often enough to where you. Um, I find that if you can't absorb, there's too much information. You could spend an hour on my website. So right. You you go back and forth, and then uh, you pick the area which you kind of want. See if you can kind of. Uh, I've got a lot of references on longevity and and obesity and physical education in the back that you can, uh, that you can go to. So um, you in in order to satisfy your curiosity, there are other websites that you can go to. I've tried to put it from one single specific direction, and that is our kids need a shot to live a life, a long life, a healthy life, where they can live a healthy and productive long life. Right. And, And we as a society are not giving it to them. The failure here, the failure back then of kids' fitness was 57% in 1955, four, yeah, yeah. and it's close to 80% now, uh, and it keeps getting worse. So now, how are you going to address that? What What's happening? We have to treat it as a disease, as a motion disease, a metabolical disease, if you will, a back-end metabolical and front-load um, uh, from your uh, um, obesity, yeah, and provide a different, uh, a sufficient amount of guidance for these children to develop sound, productive bodies, where we can not only um, provide an uh, 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 a body that will be uh, good for national defense. Uh, and for activities of daily living, um, but can compete with the inner world with academic achievement. I agree. And, uh, you know, like I've talked to some kids, if you ruin your bodies, where will you live? And at 84 years old, you you very well know the importance of that. So, again, thanks a lot. And uh, we will hook up the website, the Facebook, yeah, and this other PayPal, information. There's a PayPal site on Kidsfield. Yep. Yep. Or um, we'll make sure they find you. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Ron. Uh-huh. Thank you, Ron. You've been listening to the Lean Braze radio show at theleanbraze.com. Music today provided by Gene Krupa. Until next time, keep moving for a noble purpose. No excuses. Don't your arms look lonesome when your baby bags up to leave? Then I'm going up on the mountain to call that baby of mine. Then I'm going up.